0: Good morning. I guess we can begin now. Daniels consider the foundation of understanding biblical prophecy. And we'll be spending a couple of months learning about that. And today we are just covering the introduction to the first revelation of God of the rest of history in this brief outline that he gives to Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, just in case somebody's asleep here, who's Nebuchadnezzar?
1: King of Babylon.
0: Okay, and where did Babylon come from?
1: The North.
0: Okay. Let's go back. Where did Babylon come from? Okay, let's start at the beginning. I'm really good on liking beginnings. I like to start things. I have good ideas and start projects that may not may or may not ever get finished, but um, When God starts something, he finishes it. And when he has a start, he has a plan completely in mind already. Mm -hmm. So to understand the Bible, we really would be wise to understand his picture, especially for us in this day and age. It's really, to me, it's essential to understand the basic outline of the whole Bible when we're trying to figure out what I'm doing here and what I need to be doing and knowing and doing. Um, So it's essential to me that we understand how God has related to man in the past. How did it start? When did God first speak to man?
1: In the Garden of Eden.
0: Okay. So the first thing God did was created the universe, and then he created man. At the end of his creation week, he created man, and he created man a complete adult, functioning, speaking, understanding person. Right, he didn't evolve. There's no, no, no intelligence whatsoever in, in talking about evolution, because it just can't happen. When I was in school, and I only went to lower grades, um, it was very. I don't know why it was something to do with after the war and there was people had time to do stuff and were trying to do stuff but all over the world there was a lot of effort put into trying to create life. Uh, They were using radiation, they were trying any kind of chemical process they could think of and there was a whole lot of activity both in Russia and certainly in the U.S. trying to create that and after a while apparently they got tired because you don't hear much about. People trying to do that anymore. In fact, I haven't heard of, seen an article on it for decades. Because it's scientifically impossible. There's so much complexity in a living organism that you can't just have one part. It's like an engine. You you can't just have a piston or a crankshaft and have an engine. You got to have all the parts. They all have to work together. They all have to be in time. You have to have all the Inputs from the outside, and you have to have all the means of getting rid of the the leftovers. And that's just how living organisms are, too. Uh, So that's all just ridiculous. I just had to put that spiel in there. Sorry. But uh, God created man, and he was speaking to man. Um, There was communication between God and man. So what was the next thing that happened? Poof. Yes, man sinned. And of course, we don't know how long Adam and Eve walked in holiness with God, but in the narrative that God gave us, it happened pretty quickly. And, and so what did God do after the fall about man's sin? Yeah, well, that's what happened. When man sinned, there was a separation. He suddenly did not want to talk to God. He hid from God. How, how incredible what must have been going through their minds and where were their psychologists at the time. But um, what did God do about it?
1: Well, man would forever live in strife.
0: Okay. What's the first thing that God did after they sinned? No, that's not (laughs) the first thing. Yes, he sought man. He came looking for him and he called to him and he covered him. He covered him. God. Initially provided covering for man's sin. And fast forward a long time, what did God do eventually? Okay, this is all basic. There's no, no rocket science here.
1: He said Christ. Yes. Christ's blood would cover our sins.
0: But does it cover it? Yes. It takes it away up until then our sin was covered now there is a propitiation finally a satisfactory payment because all the other coverings that we've tried and God provided would not take it away it just covered so that is that is God's action towards man so we have the fall what happened after the fall in general with all mankind? Yeah, you can answer.
2: Uh, God
0: cursed them? Well, he cursed the. Yes, he. This is off the subject, but yes, there were a series of curses that God put on man and the earth and and that's still the earth is still under a curse we still have earthquakes, we still have famines, we still have cataclysms uh, and it's bad but God is still showing mercy in all of that but what man did was he kept running from God and he kept Doing everything he could that man does, evil, and so God's result to all of that initial sin of the entire population of the world, with one exception, was what? Okay, this class is gonna <laughs> up. come on. Let's. let's Am I being too vague here? And
3: of man's heart was only evil continually.
0: And so God so said God flooded the earth and so, so we he destroyed all mankind and a mass an, an extremely high percentage of all land dwelling critters. So that was the flood. So after the flood there were eight people that came through the flood and, if, and they should have been good teachers and good examples and man should have been straightened out after that. And what happened? The Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, yes. And there we get to Babylon. Mm-hmm. That was God, a man's ultimate, biggest concerted effort against God and so what was the god's answer to that scattered scattered in very interesting that language separates people there's only one human race but there's lots of groups and those groups are based on language and so that's a very profound thing and it didn't come from me So, again, man was against God and then what was God's next move as far as trying to relate to people and get them humbly to relate to him?
2: Called Abraham.
0: Abraham. And God just called him out of the wilderness of rebellious man and gave him some promises and so with that we had the patriarchs and God was directly dealing with people again man to man Abraham he talked to him Isaac he spoke with him Jacob he spoke to him gave him promises and and then he Put them in an incubator. He sent the whole family to Egypt, where they were protected and nourished, and they multiplied and became the nation of Israel, the nation of. It's nice they didn't. Nice God changed his name. We wouldn't want to call him Jacobites. It's too hard to say. Anyway, um, that's what he. What he did, so after that 400 years of incubation, we have the nation of Israel. And we just happen to be at that point in the morning messages where that just is coming to maturity. At least we're getting to the high point that it ever reached and hasn't since. So anyway, that's another subject, but you know all about that. God's intention for Israel, for Jacob, was that, and for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was to be His visible presence and word to the rest of the world. And it's just very interesting now, when we're in Daniel, that that ultimate rebellion against God of the whole. The world of humans happened at Babel. And now here we are in Daniel with an Israelite in the highest point of the then Babylonian Empire, right up there. So that's, that's just really fascinating to me. Um, and it also happened at kind of at the end of God's judgment or the beginning of of the, (laughs) the front end of God's judgment on the nation of Israel where they no longer were a nation in their own land with their own well with God leading them for one thing but even without their own king so we see now that God is talking to the nations of the world, the rebellious nations of the world, through the king of Babylon, via Daniel. So that's that's our setup here, and he is the real wise man. So could I get a volunteer since we're... I've been doing all the talking. Let somebody read. Uh, Let's just read one through four. Go. Go. Good. You're the fastest hand in the group here. In
1: the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left. And the king commanded that the magicians, the, the... and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king of his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king and the O king, live forever.
0: Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. So you notice that he had dreams. This was a recurring or a developmental series of dreams. And it got his attention, and he was figured this was really important, and he needed to know. So, who are these people he called? Pardon? Evens. <laughs> that's right. But you, what were you going to say? The child demons. Okay. Well, the, that's right.
1: And they were magicians, conjurers, and sorcerers.
0: Okay. You got them all there. They're magicians. What's a magician? A
1: master of illusion.
0: Okay. Good people to have working for you, huh? (laughs) Wow. Sometimes, sometimes people make foolish decisions right up front. Um, What's a conjurer?
1: Makes things appear.
0: Okay, or pretends to. And then we have sorcerers. What are they?
1: insight
0: into the spiritual realm okay, yes I, that's that's why you now these words if you look it up in the dictionary they're all interchangeable but when when we think of sorcerers we think of people who are dealing with spirits with with demons probably it it
1: is like there's but, also a lot of
0: going on in yes, it, it, is, it is that's why it's all we, we drop them down there to the chaldeans the Chaldeans, they figure, probably were uh, religious priests to Bell, the god of the Babylonians. But in any case, these guys are all tricksters, and these are his advisors. What kind of a person does that? What does Proverbs say? Take away the wicked from the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. So if you import them and have them as your advisors, what do you think you're gonna get out of that? Wow. So Chaldeans here, they said, and they, they're all grouped in that label, Chaldeans. They said, tell the dream to your servants and we will declare their in, interpretation. And what was the king's response?
2: me the dream in the interpretation.
0: Yeah, and you know, he's just being a little smart here. He said, you know, if you're smart enough to tell the interpretation, you probably are smart enough to tell me what my dreams was. And what happened with that?
2: <coughs> Made him look stupid. <laughs>
0: It kind of revealed their true colors, didn't it? And what was their conclusion? So their conclusion is that that was beyond them. Only the gods could know what a man dreams. And in so doing, what did they do? Well, to a degree, but what they really acknowledged was their own their own trickery. They didn't know you know if if the king had told them his dreams, they could have made anything up. But since he didn't, they couldn't interpret something because they wouldn't know they didn't know what they were talking about anyway, even if he had told them but this way he knew that they had no power. So, what was his response? (laughs) Those were my paraphrase there, but (laughs) he says you're going to, you know, you're going, and it wasn't a just chop your head off, it was going to be a torturous thing. You, if you get caught um, tricking the king trying to deceive the king he's probably not going to take that um, calmly and so he didn't so he decides to clean house and get rid of all these fake guys and unfortunately what? what was the problem? as far as we're concerned. Yeah, this is simple. Just, just keep...
1: Daniel and his companions to kill them.
0: Yeah, because they were lumped in with the wise men. They're... He was cleaning house of his entire cabinet. He didn't want any tricksters in there anymore. He was going to start a new regime. Maybe he will be wiser with this. I don't know. But fortunately... There was one wise man in the group, and this is just so amazing.
3: Hey Jerry, you might if I catch us up real quick. I think we've only read through verse four so far. Yeah,
0: Three. you may. Five,
3: 13, okay. So two, starting verse five says, the king replied to the Chaldeans, the command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream of, and its interpretation, you'll be torn limb from limb. And your houses will be made a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward of great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time. inasmuch as much as you have seen that the command from me is firm, that if you... If you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you, for you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king, inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except God's, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Did you want me to stop there or go through 18?
0: Well... Sure, go ahead and read. Okay. Uh, I chop it up too much.
3: Oh, all right, verse 14. says, Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, for what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel that's, went
0: that's good enough. Let's pause there for now. So Daniel was included. Daniel and his and then we find out his three friends were included in that because they were, you know, it sounds to me like he was going to get rid of all of his advisors left and right. And, um, so that's what he was doing. So when Daniel, cause they had Daniel hadn't heard about this, this was, he was not part of that particular group. He was a different kind of advisor apparently, but so Daniel. Had a response, right? And his response was the first to talk to the commander who'd come to get him. And said, "What's what's going on here?" And he was explained to him. And then, what did Daniel do?
2: Ran to his friends.
0: Before he went to his friends.
1: Well once again, Daniel was diplomatic, he used it says discretion and discernment, and he did the same thing when it came to the diet yes. regarding the king, so he was wise in that moment, and he said to the commander of the army, give me some time and let me go to my God.
0: Okay, well there's one more step in here, what did he do after he talked to the commander and found out what the, what the deal was? Then what did he do? He went to the king. This is the king who had just given him his execution orders. This was the king who had just been fed up with guys asking for more time. And Daniel went to the king and asked him for more time. Isn't that amazing? This guy had character. He was wise. And apparently he was fearless. I mean, it, my way of looking at it, I—he'd be the last person I'd want to talk to because he was—he was ready to kill some everybody. But Daniel went to the king. So what does that tell us?
1: And he had great faith that his God would provide what the king was looking for in order that he and his men might survive.
0: Anything else? I
3: think
2: the king was searching. He he was putting his feelers out for something, something more than he knew that they had.
0: Well, do you realize that Daniel must have had some serious prestige for the king, before the king? Because not just anybody walks into the king and says, hey, we need more time because he didn't say we need more time he said I need time in order to prepare to interpret the dream he was promising to interpret the dream for him so yes he had tremendous faith in God and he had tremendous faith that God wasn't going to let Nebi kill him right on the spot but it's just so amazing
3: Yeah, back in chapter 1, we learned that their job was to be personal servants for the king. They were tasked as his personal servants, and they had proven themselves, said 10 times better than anybody else. That's just an idiom. It's not like they were, you know, on marks 10 times better, but (coughs) they were definitely standing out among everybody else. And so it seems like Daniel had earned for himself the, the favor before the king, and the ability to come in and make such a grandiose
2: request. So i said they interviewed before the king, and none, uh, um, the word but impressed the king like yeah. Daniel and I yeah. and the other two? So they are—they had already impressed the king in the previous interview.
0: So yeah, chances are, we're just guessing, but presumably. Uh, they the king remembered them knew them maybe had regular dealings with them because this is probably quite a few years later because Nebuchadnezzar wasn't the ultimate king at the time when he deported Daniel and his and all the other people from from Jerusalem that he was um he was just working for his father at that time. And this says, this is in his second year of reign. So his father had died or, anyway, Nebuchadnezzar was now the king for two years. So it's at least two years stretch. And maybe maybe more than that between when, oh, well, wait a minute.
3: I think his dad died right before he became king. He became king yes. um, in between March and June of 605. And then September of 605, he came down and besieged Jerusalem, Jerusalem. for the first time. yes. Yeah. So, yeah. But
0: guess, Daniel uh, and his friends were in training for three years. So that was at the end of the three years. So it could have been a recent event. We don't, I don't think we know exactly what year this event is happening, but it's, two years after Nebuchadnezzar became king and that's when he reported. But in any case, Daniel was a very strong man and he was a strong believer in God even though most of us would feel really bummed about being overthrown and kidnapped and deported and being a prisoner of the king and being his servant but Daniel didn't let any of his circumstances mess with his brain and his faith in God truly truly so he so yes so would someone like to read uh we already read through that, so we're close to the end here. I stopped in 16. You'd stop 16. Do like you want to just finish 17 now? And 18? Anybody? First, okay.
2: Then Daniel went to his house and made a decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning these secrets, so that Daniel... And his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the season. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding he reveals deep secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with Him. I thank You and praise You, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might. You have now made known to me what we have asked of You. For You have made known to us the kings of the man. More?
0: No, that's, that's the end. That's, <laughs> that's all we're covering today. So they prayed, I really like this, just one verse, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. That's that's the summary right there. So we'll have to wait till next week to find out what was revealed. But the God of heaven answered. And what was Daniel's response to that?
1: Power.
0: A really good thing, and that's what we will spend the rest of our time on. Um, what Daniel said in his prayer. So, what's the first thing he said about God? Let his name be
1: blessed forever.
0: So is that something we can relate to and accept and put into our faith book? Absolutely. Is there going to be an end to God's reign? So we can and we plan to praise him forever. And we should have already started that. What else did he say about God? To
1: whom belong wisdom, and might. wisdom and might?
0: Wisdom and might. Wisdom and power. Is that true? Sure. Anybody have a verse about that?
3: Ephesians 6.10, talking about putting on the full armor, of God says, We are to
0: use so all the strength of His mighty power. Well, in Ephesians 3 at the end, He was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or even think. Yes, we do like His power and certainly His wisdom. And that's, I think, a little harder for us to understand because... The way, the way we see our lives go and the way we watch the history of what's around us or of our country or even of the world, we can really wonder what on earth God is doing and why did he do that. Hopefully we never say that thing we have no right to say why are you doing that to God what else did he include in his prayer yes um, news and, uh, that's right he he changes times and epochs He's in charge of history and he hires and fires kings. He's the one that controls that. Does that apply to us? Sure does. So you see, this is an election year, right? Are we gonna lose our cool this spring and summer and fall. Some people might.
3: Hopefully we don't.
0: Well, yeah. Do we have any reason to lose our cool? So can we really believe that God is controlling the history of our lives, the history of our family, the history of our country? Take some serious faith in times of trouble, when things aren't going our way, we've become very, very complacent. And we anyway.
3: Jerry, um, I just thought of another verse for his wisdom and power, um, but talking about Christ in Colossians two, he's talking about Christ himself, and so, and are hidden all the the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay. So that's just cool to see that connection between the. God the Father, the God of Israel, Yahweh, and then Christ who has all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in
0: him. Thank you. That's what I was hoping would come out here. Because you guys are smarter than I am, so you should come up with more of these. So, um, have we, yeah. So thinking about this, that he, He removes kings and establishes kings. If you have any knowledge of history, that's really fascinating to think about and and look at. Because it's not always a clean, obvious thing. Sometimes it's very messy and very confusing. Yes, you were gonna say something, Jim.
2: I was trying to remember the verse that says God will give them the people a king after their own heart. Where's that at?
3: I, can't, I shouldn't have brought it up on First 1 Samuel 8 maybe? Yeah, remember Nebuchadnezzar himself when he went in, it's after Daniel, but the last king of uh, Judah that he takes out, Zedekiah, he plucks out his eyes and he kills his kid. Well, he kills his kids right in front of him first, and then he plucks out his eyes, and then he takes him away captive. And I mean, that's some next level wickedness right there. And then you think about all the other subsequent evil, wicked kings, um, Antiochus Epiphanes, and uh, Hitler, and Mao, and all these even modern kings. They're very evil and wicked, and yet, they're established by God, and they're locked down
0: by God. So it's not always clean. No, we just in our—I <clears throat> should say—my own history, my own little life here. So many things have happened. It's—it's uh, it's really astonishing. You could spend the rest of your life just thinking about that and scratching your head and. And yet, we can see, in some cases, how <clears throat> how that was in God's hand. Um, yeah, there's so many questions. We, some of us, uh, remembered what it was like to have a Cold War and being afraid of Russian nuclear missiles being shot at us. And than to see the Iron Curtain fall, and we thought—some of us were tempted to think that, oh, wow, this is really, really great. I, I know a pastor in Alaska who was the first guy to fly into Russia after the wall came down from, from Alaska and uh, that was that was an amazing story and to this day he's sending missionaries or training missionaries russian missionaries in russia he lived in russia himself for many years and uh, he's training pilots to go in there to fly around and be evangelists just like we do in alaska and some of the amazing things that happened in there, and then to see what is going on in Russia now, you know it's, it's not like uh, <laughs> changing kings fixes anything thoroughly, as long as we live in this fallen world. OK, what else did Daniel talk about? He, give, so
1: he gives wisdom and he reveals the profound and hidden things.
0: How about that? So he's behind all of our scientific discoveries. He is letting people and even showing them at times these things. You know, Most of our early modern scientists were Christians and they did that exploration and research. In response to knowing a God who reveals mysteries and the knowledge to men. Truly amazing. He also reveals the deep unknown. Wow. Sometimes that happens. That's a good, you know, science is a real good subject to study if you're a Christian. It's not so fun if, if you're not because it gives people ideas and powers and makes them think too much of themselves and bad things happen from that he also says that God is what light. yeah he knows what's in the dark but he himself is light Now, it makes you think hard To that if God is light how can there be any dark and yet if there is isn't that amazing okay so what does that mean to us what does that mean to us
1: okay. I really like the 22 that whole chapter when it comes to raising children these days because there's so much Psychology out there—that's sometimes just hard to know what's right and what's good and what's light and what's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just hard to discern. So that's just a good reminder to turn to God for, yeah,
3: ultimately. Especially for homeschoolers, huh? Yeah. Because the world tells us, oh, you need to go to professionals, you need the teachers, you need the professors or whatever. And I know that has had moments where she's like, oh, I just feel inadequate. I don't have it. But in, if we're in Christ, we have God's word and God's knowledge, and light is in Him and knowledge is in Him, and we have a lot more, more of the world
0: to offered. Yes, and if you've had any experience with, with the world's wisdom and knowledge, especially in child raising, it, it is just the craziest thing because I'm watching that happen right now, and they, it just goes from bad to worse, as long as you keep, it's like Nebi and his counselors, as long as you keep people around that don't have any idea what they're talking about, whose job is to trick people, and to fool them, and to just make, print a lot of hot air and practice a lot of hot air, you can just see it going from bad to worse. It heals nothing. It just aggravates the thing. It's like, well. Anyway, that's, that's what, it, what I was going to also ask then. Um, what knowing what we know what we've learned here this morning what daniel has told us and shown us i just was wondering if you could remember things that god said would happen because we're 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 just at the door here of finding what god's going to tell nebuchadnezzar about coming world history for him and so we, we have a little benefit of looking back. We have a great big benefit of looking back to what God <laughs> has said. What, is, what are some of the things that come to your mind that God said would happen and has happened?
3: After Daniel and before us.
0: No. From Genesis one to us. Pardon.
2: Voice and and voice. Okay. He will never, never leave
0: us or forsake us. Okay, what's the reference for that? <laughs> well, you can say Matthew 28 at the end says that he's with us to the end of the age. Um, pardon. Hebrews five and six, I think. Okay, there you go. Um, some other explicit statements of God in the Bible that that we have seen come to pass.
1: Israel becoming a nation, is that what she with that or
0: well, where did he where did he, where did he just first say that?
1: When Matthew well, I think he was alluding to that in Matthew twenty he just uh, read it
3: at the end of the day five or twenty four twenty back in Genesis twelve. The,
1: Chapter 24, chapter
0: 24, I'm trying to remember verses 1, but I know something about the, uh, it hasn't happened really well. Oh, right. Well, yeah, there's there's still those, and so that's what we are be getting into in this book of Daniel, to, you know, as a foundation. But his first comment, the first statement that God made was to Abraham in Genesis 12 that I will make you a great nation. And, and that happened. We have history recorded of that. But also he said that in Abraham, all people will be blessed. And here we stand blessed because of what God did to Abraham. Any other statements that God said? And yeah. The Bible's just full of it, isn't it? Uh, certainly Genesis, he promised, um, you know, that you know, right up front that if you eat of the tree, you will die. And they did. Um, he told Noah that he was going to blot out man from the face of the earth. in Genesis 6. And um, he, you know, he promised Abraham a son when he was 99 years old uh, and that happened, you know, he promised that his children would be in, and this was to Abraham. He said, know for certain that your descendants will be in bondage for 400 years and then he would bring them out. Uh, The Bible is just full and full and full of things that God has said that we need to be serious, be confident in, really seriously confident in. But one of my favorite verses is Psalm 115.3. Does anybody know what that says? Oh, wow. It's so cool. It's, it's, the 115 talks about the gods, the, the fake gods, but he starts out by saying, but our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. And that's what the Bible is about. He is doing what he pleases. At the same time, he lets people do certain things. We, I hate the word freedom, we have freedom. We have a little bit of freedom, but we have enough freedom to make a total mess of everything. And thankfully, God maintains control of everything. So all through, all through Psalm 115, he talks about the fake gods. And at the end of it, in verse 18, he says, But as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. So praise the Lord.
3: Psalm 33 verse 10 says the Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations he frustrates the plans of the people the, the counsel, counsel of the, the Lord, stands, Lord forever, stands
0: forever the plans of his heart all generations, to generations. Yep. very good okay anything else well, apparently if the clock is right we have two minutes yet anyway 36 talks about
1: uh, us a new heart of flesh. You know, heart of stone. A major thing.
0: Yes, I like that song. Head full of rocks and a heart made of stone. That's us. Well good.
3: Yeah, that ties in perfectly with Daniel, because that's written to the Jews. He's telling the the nation of Israel. So I'm gonna give you guys a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. But Hebrews 8 talks about how he's done that with us. He's brought us into the new covenant. But that doesn't nullify the, the future promise for Israel. They will have that heart of flesh. And we'll see that all throughout Daniel. It's pretty cool.
0: Yes?
1: I, I like, too, that after um, God reveals the meaning of the dream to Daniel, and Daniel turns to God in prayer, the first verses, 21 and 22, He gives thanks to God on a global level, being sovereign over kings and nations on a, I guess you'd call that macro level. But then in verse 23, he also gives thanks on a personal or micro level. So God is sovereign not only over the whole world and everything large and all that it contains, but
0: also, very personally to us, it's just a single person. Yep, a single person, and he knows how many hairs are up there. <laughs> yes, it's really amazing. So anyway, hopefully, we really are anxious to see the rest of Daniel. It's so, so, so amazing. Utterly amazing. Uh, people to this day, I googled Daniel, and they, even Daniel, even... Google says that, you know, it was written in the second century because they just cannot accept that God can know stuff ahead of time. So come on back. If there's so much, so much in Daniel.